Welcome to episode 13 of the Bulls in Motion podcast. This week on Coach's Corner we'll be talking goalkeepers, in motion we'll be speaking to Sarah Byrne and in pick of the week we'll be talking all things Champions League. Thank you. Just before we get started on this week's podcast, um, unfortunately James has decided to step down as my assistant manager and therefore will be stepping away from the podcast. Uh, He doesn't feel it's right to be involved in a podcast that is a grassroots coach podcast, which is absolutely fine. And we wish James the best in his future endeavours. The show must go on though. I will be continuing with the podcast for the foreseeable future. And Nathan will also be coming back on. And we'll be getting guest hosts each and every podcast as well. So you can all sit back, relax and enjoy the podcast as usual. Coach's Corner. So this week on Coach's Corner, we're going to be revisiting goalkeepers. I think it's important to go and go into a specific. So we're going football on this one. This episode's going to be football heavy, but for all the people out there who are not just here for football, we're going to be going more specific on different episodes on football, rugby, basketball, volleyball, netball, boxing, mixed martial arts, etc., so it's not just about football or anything else, but we're going to try and be more specific to what people are doing. So goalkeepers. You could argue that goalkeepers now have to be as good with the feet as modern-day fullbacks. You know, so your likes of Edison for Man City. Um, you know, so you've got Edison. Manuel Neuer's done it for years. He's obviously... <clears throat> getting on now in terms of football player age wise but I think it's a massive one isn't it you know and and you look at it and that but then you've got other goalkeepers you know you've got like Allison for Liverpool you know you could you could name loads of goalkeepers you know Donnarumma PSG Courtois Real Madrid Mendy Chelsea you've got all these types of players Karen Bardsley, Hope Solo, you know, Carly Telford, goalkeepers like that in the men's and the women's game. But I think goalkeepers, it's so subjective because of how the style of a goalkeeper. So a sweeper keeper, you know, a shot stopper. But like we were saying before about Edison for Man City, like it's almost like he could play as a fullback or a midfielder. His passing range is ridiculous. He's so calm on the ball and just just ridiculous. And I think when you're coaching a team, I think it's really difficult. Like when I'm coaching, so when I'm coaching my team, it's a lot more difficult to be able to get the training for my goalkeeper, like the club offer goalkeeper training. But if you're a coach on your own, like I am now, you've got to you've got to be able to maintain doing specific drills with your players and being able to get get your goalie to not think she's been, you know, she or he, not to think they've been overlooked because it's it's as important as doing 
drills with your outfield players and and I think that's really important so yeah so I think as a coach it'd be great to see what you guys think um you know on our our socials um obviously this is just the beginning but I think you know it's really important and I think for me um to be able to evolve your team to improve you need to improve you need to evolve as a coach and as a person you know take responsibilities for where you're wrong um because even you know everyone makes mistakes i make mistakes you'll make mistakes but you've got to you've got to in your own way own up to them and learn from them and that way you will evolve with your team it's not just about the kids or if it's adults grassroots level you know it's it's not just about them making mistakes and you being like well you need to do this and you need to learn and then you as the coach not learning it's really really important you know to be able to to do that and learn so i think for me i've i've still got so much learning to do so much learning like our we've got a a goalkeeper within our club a goal goalkeeper he went to America, Sam, um, Linda and Paul, who were on in the last two episodes. Their son, Sam, Nathan's brother, absolutely phenomenal goalkeeper. <clears throat> you can learn so... I learned so much from him. Like, I'm not, I'm not a goalkeeper, but whenever I want any advice on what I should be doing or whatever, I go to him because he's, he's fantastic and he just, he just oozes respect when the kids are talking to him. He just has a certain manner with him, and it's fantastic, fantastic to, to see. So, I'd say if you had that in your club, I would go with it, and you know, just just learn from it. You know, it's it's amazing, and I think there's just little things you can do with your goalkeeper. A lot of repetition, repetition, repetition. <clears throat> you know, with my goalkeeper, I try and do a lot of footwork to work on her kicks. Um, when I get chance to do that, so plenty of kicking, repetition, repetition, repetition. There's one where I get her on the goal line, tell her to turn round, and on free turn round, and I, the ball goes to her, so she's doing the W shape with her hands, just so she's get grasping that ball, you know. Um, and then you can do that one, but with cones, so they have to skip through a cone, then go back to the middle and turn. So there's lots of things you can do, but I just think it's really important to pay as much attention to your keeper as you do all your other outfield players because that's what it's about isn't it you know like I know it's different in professional clubs men's and women's but they're they're you know take care of the goalkeepers as well as they do the outfield players so I think it's really it's imperative that you do that as well as a grassroots coach and you do overlook them sometimes and if you're on your own it's difficult but it's really important to make them feel wanted as well as much as the outfield players so yeah that's that, that that's me um like i say if you've got any feedback on this whatsoever or you feel i've missed something just get in touch with me on socials twitter facebook instagram and we can definitely have a discussion and that would be amazing but yeah that's it from coach's corner Next up, in motion, we've got part one of two with two Durham Sestria players. 
So we've got Sarah Byrne, who's on next. And then on the next episode, it is Amy Hargrave. So make sure you stay listening for that. And I'll catch you on the other side. And as always on the podcast, we would like to say thank you to Jensen Day for his music for the podcast. You can find him on Apple Music, Spotify, and all your music providers. Go and give him a follow. Really, really good up-and-coming artist and would appreciate the follow. In motion! In motion, we're joined by Sarah Byrne, who plays for Durham Sestria and is a coach for the Newcastle United Foundation. How are we doing, Sarah? I'm good, thanks, you. Yeah, not bad, thank you. All good, all good. Yeah, so firstly, working as a coach for the Newcastle United Foundation, how did you get the opportunity for this role and how do you find the day-to-day workings of it? So I actually was a participant on the Premier League Kicks programme that they deliver and have done for around 10 years, maybe 15, well, 15. Um, They, obviously, after being a participant, my next step was they said, oh, we really like you to do some volunteering. So then I did that. And then I went from participant, volunteer, part-time, full-time to then actually this year being offered to run the programme I originally started on. So it's fantastic. Obviously, I've came through the whole rank, so I've been involved with the foundation for about 10 years. Uh, my journey spans across, which is amazing, but it also gives us a little bit of an insight into each programme and how many we've delivered and how much we've expanded, but I love it. Every day is different. So with the program, like where where do you whereabouts do you like do you deliver the program? So as a, as a generally you say a foundation or somebody who does like like it's it's a sort of a charitable sort of area. Does it stretch further than that? So where do you sort of where do you where do you sort of deliver the foundation work? So me personally, the kicks program goes all the way up to Berwick. Um, on a Friday night where we reach and engage 120, 130 on average every Friday night. But we also work in schools up in Berwick as well, um, Annick, Ashington. We, as a Premier League kicks programme, have 13 sites across you know, the region. So that's just kicks, but obviously with all of our programmes, you know, we work up in Blythe, Cramlin Inn, Walker, Biker... Newcastle itself, um, heating everywhere you can possibly imagine. So does it like come any? Does it like I know that's that's very sort of north northeast centric. Does it come any further down, like into County Durham, or do we have like a similar thing in County Durham, like linked to a different club? Um, Framwell Gate, I believe we're in. Yeah, that's up Durham way. Um, I know people have been to Spenny and stuff like that. So we stem all the way up to Newcastle. Like I'm saying, I've been in north of Newcastle but we've been to Durham and Spenny and Chester Lee Street before as well so no, it's, it's wide spanning then well that's uh, that, that's pretty impressive I think that that's the thing isn't it when when you when you're all sort of you know Newcastle you, think, you sort of think around the area but to even span you know when you say Spenny and the Durham area I think that that's that's pretty, pretty impressive was it something you know when you you say that you were you volunteering um was it something yeah. that you expected you know to to travel in these different places to deliver to deliver the coaching or 
No, not at all. Um, you know, you kind of think when you think, oh, Newcastle, it's just going to be on your doorstep. Yeah. I originally lived in Kenton at the time, so I was just popping up to Blakelow on some days, and then, as I say, popping further afield on other, um, to work in school. So it's it was it, I didn't realise how big it was until obviously I got into it, and then since then, obviously, we've just grown and grown each year. Wow, that's uh. uh so yeah, I think that's one of them, isn't it? it I think it's it, it must have been like a slow burner. So you you didn't know what to expect, um, I imagine, from it. But to do what you've done in the last ten to fifteen years must be must be pretty pretty amazing when you think about it. It is, yeah. Um, obviously, being involved from that far away, they were you know they were going before I even got there, and they had a big team. But um, I think it's something like two hundred employees or something we have now, and. We've got wow. such a variety of different programs that we offer, and not just yeah. to you know younger people, but also older, like the well-being side of it and the mental health. So we didn't have that when I was volunteering. So it, it's it's amazing to see now yeah. the difference from when I first started, and I was just attending the Kicks program, and we had we had programs and we worked in schools, but now actually there's loads more that have came up. Oh, amazing. That's good. It's basically it's grown across time. <clears throat> so one thing which I, I I was thinking about is so I've even like as bad to say you do it ten to fifteen years. Uh, what so we we talked in a recent episode on our podcast about motivation and players who've like who've like in sport who've retired early, like really early, and a lot of it was because of the loss, like the love for the game and things like. That. So how did you stay motivated and passionate about it? And, and how did you balance your sort of your your private life and like your home life and your work life and your foundation life? So obviously, I've always loved football. I was playing since I was just little, but it's I actually did fall out with it um, just solely because like it just I felt that it was doing it all of the time. I felt a little bit out of love, but then I regained my passion when I joined the foundation. So when I started playing in the kicks program, I went down with my friends for a bit of a kickabout, started falling back in love. And you know what it is? Most of my friends come from football or come from the sporting environment. So that helps keeping, you know, everything on top. But I obviously have a child myself now um, and uh, my partner's involved in football. So we're pretty much a football household. <laughs> but you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, she loves football now as well, so I think that's going to be inevitable that <laughs> she's hopefully yeah. going to turn out to be a little baller. But uh, I don't really feel like I'm juggling anything because, like, it's my passion. It's what I love. So I don't really, although it is my job, I don't really feel like it is my job when I go in there and yeah. put the kit on. I kind of go and think, oh, this is my hobby. This is my passion, so it's not really work yeah. to me. And then I obviously go and choose to play for Durham because that's my passion again, and I love it. So, you know, having a child and it does have its issues sometimes. You know, with childcare and you know, yeah, she needs us, but I have a really good support network around us at work, at home. So we have that good balance, so it works. And like I said, with it being my passion and my hobby, I don't mind if I'm out until ten o'clock training. Or, you know, yeah. I'm delivering till 8 o'clock, delivering football, because it doesn't matter, because I love it. Oh, brilliant. That's that's the thing, isn't it? When, you, when you're when sort of doing it most of the time, I think it's it's massive to, to keep that passion going, you know. So, with, you know, with your Newcastle United Foundation, yeah. work, does, does it give you 
an added motivation when you get on the pitch on a Sunday for Durham's Estria? It does, yeah, because a big part of my job is, you know, it's inspiring the next generation in the community and especially girls. And I know that was it's been a big thing recently, but it's grown massively. So although I'm like, with, you know, working for Newcastle and playing for Durham, it still has the same concepts because we've actually had some of the girls who come to our programmes and I deliver on watch yeah. on a Sunday. So they're coming away from Newcastle where they're living, travelling up to Durham, Maiden Castle, and watching me on a Sunday and they're specifically there to watch me. So that gives me motivation to make sure that, you know, I am being the best I can on the pitch, but also inspiring them whilst on there. To make them yeah. realise, like, look, you can do it, you can go somewhere, and there is a bigger picture than just just playing football. It's everything yeah. around that as well. Now, Demi, yeah. what, what advice would you give to no. sort of any any young sort of female coaches looking to start, like, make that transition from playing junior football into going into coaching? Don't be scared. I think a big one. It, it is can it can be quite daunting because. Even now, you know, it is it is meant to be a male-dominant environment. But like myself, just don't be scared. Go out there and show them like what we can do and what we can achieve and that we are no different. For me, I've always been quite bubbly and my personality has shone through. But without football, I don't think I'd be as confident as what I am. So just get out there. Make sure that you make a mark and you make an impact on, you know, being a female, it's a special thing. Being a girl in a, in what we say is a male game, but it's changed a lot more now than when I was younger and I was having to play in a boys' team because um, there wasn't much for me out there. But now there's loads of different opportunities, there's loads of different pathways and loads of different routes and loads of different women inspiring, you know, whereas there's coaches or managers of men's teams or... Just make sure that not to be scared, and once you get your foot on that pitch, you'll realise everything else goes because it's your hobby. Nothing else matters. No, that's brilliant. It's great, great advice. I'd say if anyone, anyone sort of listening to our podcast who is thinking about getting into it, it's great advice in, in any sport really, because um, female sports become a lot more dominant in the last sort of ten, fifteen years. Um, and there's been a lot more sort of viewed, and it's it's, it's big, like Sky Sports have picked up a lot more sports. Um, which were typically female sports, so it's it's sort of it's it's really growing at a really fast pace, which is brilliant. It's something which we, me me and Brad are really pleased to be involved in it in a, a sort of a, a girls football uh, club, basically. Um, yeah. It's just brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Um, you know, we really really appreciate you coming on, Sarah. It's really, been no really good to talk to you. <laughs> We'll hopefully see you on a Sunday, eh? Cheering what on? Yes, we want to, we've, we've talked about trying to get like a, we do like um, the whole club event, but we want to try and get down to just our like under thirteens team. Um, keeps it a little yeah, bit right, okay. keeps it a little bit more easy logistically. Um, to like sixteen, yeah. seventeen of the girls, so it makes it a bit easier getting there. Um, but yeah, we're more more than happy to come down and uh, and show a bit of support on a Sunday. No worries, perfect. Brilliant. Thank you very much. I hope you all enjoyed that interview I did with Sarah Byrne there. Absolutely fantastic. Spoke really well and just really passionate about her role within the Newcastle United Foundation and also plays on Sunday for Durham Sestria. So any listeners out there should definitely go down next season and see how they get on. Uh, Fantastic. Both ladies were fantastic. Spoke really well and it was a pleasure to speak to them. 
Amy Hargrave is on on the next podcast in the next couple of weeks. And yeah, it was it like I say, it was a pleasure of speak speaking to them. So yeah, and I'll catch you next at Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. So this week on Pick of the Week, as I said, we're going to be talking all things Champions League, and he's back. He is back. Nathan is back. How are you doing, Nath? <laughs> How's it going, Ike? I had to go and help some sort of situation in um, in Europe. There was some president doing something crazy in Europe, and uh, I had to go and help out, you see. Joe, I had no doubt that you were doing good things. <laughs> oh, good to be back. Very good to be back. There you go. busy with the Northern League season's been uh, two games a week. Um, relegation scrap side so thing. Ten, ten or so weeks off just to, to get focused on all of that. But last game of the season on Saturday, so I'm back in business. There we go. We're back. We're back. So, Champions League. Let's start with last night. So, semi, big semi-final. Liverpool v yeah. Real. How did you see it? How did you see it going? And did it meet your expectations? Well, it's an annoying one. This one. Um, Sam will back me up, your brother. I sat down on the sofa with him after training. Nil-nil it was, and I went, Sam, that'll be 2-0 that, put a tenner on. Oh, no. And he went, no, no chance. It'll be 2-0, I'm telling you. That's twice I've done that in a row. I think a couple of weeks ago, Aston Villa or Everton were playing. Everton were 2-0 up, and I said they'll get beat 3-2 of these, and they'll not stay 2 Against Burnley? So, yeah, that was the one. No. I Burnley will win this 3-2. Um, so, yeah, I saw it 2-0, and I told, um, I was teaching yesterday... Um, and one of the lads was a Liverpool fan. So what do you think the score's going to be in there? And I said, it'll be 3 nil, uh, 2 nil, sorry. So that's how I, was, I saw it going. I saw Liverpool dominating, but I saw Klopp playing it out quite quite clever. Yeah, yeah. Not going flat out to get to concede a goal. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what they did, didn't they? Exactly what they did. They certainly did. I was. I think it's one of them this season, for me, you look at it and you think, do you know what? Villarreal have knocked out Juventus over two games and Bayern over two games yeah, and I thought yeah. is it is it a step too far to get to the final and yeah potentially you've got to give credit uh, to Emery though he's done well there hasn't he um, yeah so and he's Villarreal and, and his, his, the teams that he sets up they're it's, always European big hitters aren't they're always good in Europe it's crazy because I saw somewhere that they've got a similar budget to Burnley, and they're like they're absolutely smashing it in Burn in in Europe, which is like yeah. makes you think how he's doing a really good job, and I think they've just they've got an ideal team for where they are. They're doing well in the league, doing well in Europe this year, and it's just it's one of them. Can you see them? It's can you see Burnley competing with Man City, Liverpool teams like that? And it's like. You know, but I could see I, I could see Burnley like Portsmouth did for um, fifteen years ago when they went and beat Juventus. I think or was it Fulham? I think Fulham beat Juventus one 0 Oh yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. The teams like that, Middlesbrough getting the, the final ten years ago, twelve years ago, getting beat by Seville. Um, you know, our teams like that, and, and I think the Spanish teams do the same. It's really hard. Your Seville's, your, your Villarreal's, your Valencia's are always tricky in Europe because they're set up so well. And the atmosphere when you go away, because it's not over yet. When Liverpool go to Villarreal, 
It's going to be hostile for them, that. It will be. I think if they concede early, I think I'd be worried if I was Klopp. Um, yeah. That I yeah. didn't go all out in the first leg. No, and it'll be funny. It'll be, it'll be good to see how players, I think the Villarreal players at the wrong there last night, they changed the style. No, I'd like to see Villarreal just think, do you know what, we're in the semi-finals, nothing to lose, let's just go at them. Yeah, exactly. Very, very strange. Because the they were similar to last night, what they did against Bayern in the quarters. Yeah. Um, and I looked at that and I, w- I watched the second leg and I thought, Bayern were battering them right. And they were basically just doing what other teams do to Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea in the Premier League. They were just setting up to counter. But Bayern Munich, were that, they had that much of a high line which play, which is similar to Liverpool. That's why I'm thinking when you were saying about them going away, I think t- I don't know if two goals will be enough if Villarreal get a goal yeah. in the first half, you know, and they, and they keep a clean sheet. Potentially, because we all know Liverpool's style is to get your full-backs bombing on. Yeah. How brave is he going to be? How brave is he going to be to bomb his full-backs on 2-0? I think he'll sit tight, you know, probably make, make a back five, so to speak, really, or, or a back four and bomb one on rather than two. Because if you look at the goals last night, I know one was offside, uh, the Robertson's put one in, I think, last night. Yeah. Been, Robertson's coming in at the back post. You think that's my left back? That is scoring goals at the back post. Absolutely crazy. Offside, but it's where they create the goals from, isn't it? It's the, the, the high full-back position crossing from feet. Yeah, so... Ball up to the final third, which full-backs create an overload. It's, it's exciting to watch. Um, not as a manager, though. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just me. It's, I think it's what I, I think... I can see, barring a miracle, I think Liverpool are in the final for me. Yeah, I think so. The other one's wide open, though, isn't it? Yeah, so that that brings us to Manchester City against Real Madrid. I don't think I've got one word to describe how unbelievably fantastic the game was. Like, well, from the beginning, obviously, I was I was a trainer for that yeah. one, but um, it was it was going off and off and off. Yeah, it and, you is. Know, the <laughs> yeah. I had the same feel, same yeah. feel about it. When I watched it back, I thought, that's Kevin Keegan. And the entertainers all over again, isn't it? Oh, it game. oh, it was... It's just what, it was just a strange one because when you put when you put four past a team, you think, oh, you would have beat them comfortably. But I think the, I think the massive advantage that Real Madrid had was Cancelo and Walker weren't playing. And... I don't think I don't think Kyle Walker ever gets outpaced by Vinicius Junior the way Fernandinho did. <laughs> no, and I mean the poor lad's getting on a bit, isn't he? Fernandinho, I mean, I'd still have him in, in my side, like, but yeah, Kyle Walker's recovery runs are second to none, aren't they? But he does give himself, he gives the opponent the art, doesn't he? Which petrifies me. I can remember watching him in the Euros, yeah, uh, and even the pre- previous World Cup, I think it was, and he petrifies you. I was watching live. In the stadium, I'm thinking, you know when your man and Kyle, mark him. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, he's all, he's all right, he's fine, actually, he's fine. But he, he does give you a little bit of, bit of fear in there, thinking, hey, you're going to make that bit. But, um, yeah, I think you're right with that. We 
you score four against Real Madrid, you'd expect to have an exceedingly good game and you're confident going in. You don't expect to score four against Real Madrid and think, oh, we're, we're, you know, we're hardly even in the lead here. I know, it's it's absolutely crazy and I think one so there was one point obviously you were training so you wouldn't have seen it live so Zinchenko bombed bombed down the, the side down the left side and uh, and cut inside and got fouled and then Bernardo Silva picked up the ball the referee had his, the whistle on his lips was going to blow for a free kick on the edge and Bernardo Silva shot and I think Courtois thought it was a foul so he ducked out the way ever so slightly of the ball and he went in the top corner. Um, I don't know if you saw that, like if you've seen the highlights of that. No, no, I didn't call that, but again, yeah. I always tell my lads, you, you create your own look. You know, and yeah. if you work hard, and you, he's had a pop shot there. Oh, yeah. If someone's made a mistake, do a look. But you create your own look by hard drafting good decisions and he's made a good decision there, so... Exactly, and then and then can we talk about the Panenka? <laughs> oh my goodness me! Yeah, like semi final, right? So you're stepping up, right? Hypothetically speaking, you're in the Champions League semi final. You're four two down to Man City, who you know people are calling the favourites to win it and that, right? Are you doing a Panenka <laughs> against Edison, who's like oh, one of the best goalies in the world? Like, come on. I I don't care what people are saying, I'm still telling them off when the final whistle goes in that changing room as well. Yeah. Well, what on earth are you doing? Put your foot through the ball, will you? <laughs> no, like, come on, it was just, it was crazy. Look, look back at all the, all the classic penalty shootouts. Do you go back? 2006 World Cup final, was it? Halo? Yeah, yeah. He's done one. It was in the World Cup, I can't, it was a major final anyway. That's where the thought of Penenka has come from, hasn't it? It was 06, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it was 06. 06, I think it was. I think it was the Zidane um, one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it um, was, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, in those big moments, you think about that, who has the ball to do it, but which keeper has the ball to stand still? Yeah, exactly. Because if, 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 that, if... Well, that's the thing, because if you're a goalie and you're stood still expecting that and the rifle it in the top corner, you just yeah, like... you just look. Yeah, exactly. It's so it it, it re- no go on. I'd still prefer me penalty takers to take it like Harry Kane did though. Harry McGuire oh. did though. Just absolutely <laughs> rifle. Like Yeah, put your foot through it. If the keeper saves it, they'll go in the net and if you miss, look at least you try to whack it on. Exactly. I think that's the thing. I think it sets up for, you know, a fantastic Second second leg, you know, that's the Wednesday game. The Liverpool one's the Tuesday game. And yeah. I and I just think it's gonna be good. It's good, it's it's what it's what we've needed in football after two years of COVID. No fans in the stadium, all this malarkey. Look at this title race, look at the relegation scrap, look at the playoff scrap in the championship, the playoff even the playoffs in the league one. Yeah. Um, fantastic. The league, everything. Um West Ham are absolutely flying in. Um, Europe, you know. Yeah, they got Frankfurt. Yeah, all of it's going off at the moment. The Rangers in semi-final. Rangers Leipzig, um, that'll be a cracking game. That. Yeah, well, and I think even it shows. I don't know if you saw. I know we're going off topic a bit, but we're on Europe. David Moyes' press conference after West Ham beat Leon. Was it Leon or Leo? Leon. Um, Leon Sam was there. He was at the game. 
Oh, was he? Which, yeah, yeah. It just shows of how excited everyone is about it because he, he came in the first thing he did went, how did Rangers get on? Oh, that'll be a cracking tie against Leipzig. They just know everything. Love that. On. Love that. Yeah. So it's, it's all exciting, isn't it? I've never normally obviously been a Newcastle fan. I've never normally been hooked on the Champions League for 15 years now. Yeah. But I found myself watch, watching it this season. Um, you know, even the Women's Champions League and the, the women's football at the moment is flying. So it's, it's, all, it's all going off at the moment. It's just, I think it's just that relief of of after Covid like you say of just being able to have yeah. fans in stadiums and play fo- playing football yeah. you know it's, it's I love it I mean, mate it's quality yeah, we're, we're exactly the same even you know we're down in the Northern League we're in a, the, the almighty relegation scrap the Northern League's never seen one like it um, <laughs> but having the, having the fans in the stadium going to your rivals we went to Blythe got beaten 3-0 but we went to Blythe um, a couple of weeks ago away yeah there was about 200 people there but you could just hear them and it was it, it sounds bad but it was hatred and I was getting it flung at me but I loved it it's like everyone's back here football's back you could just see it feel the atmosphere and it, you know it just feels as though you, you want to win games again rather than I did a whole season last season behind closed doors yeah and by the end of it we were in the semi-final of a county but behind closed doors but we bothered yeah you've got nothing to get out of bed for really have you when there's no no, no support Yeah. <laughs> you know, they'd have probably done it every game last season because no one was watching. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? It's but yeah, I, I, I reckon it'll you know we'll right. We're gonna revisit this right after the Champions League final. So give me your predictions for the semi-final second leg and who's gonna win it. I'm going Man City Liverpool final. Liverpool win because of their experience two-one. Right, I'm gonna go. Man City Liverpool and I'm gonna go City on penalties. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it, it's gonna be tight, isn't it? And I reckon yeah. as well West Ham West Ham Rangers in the final of the other one. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go West Ham Leipzig and I think West Ham will win it. Yeah, I hope West Ham win it. Yeah, I do as well. They've they've, they've come on leaps and bounds, haven't they? Exactly. But yeah, that that's that for pick of the week. Um and I think you're nearly at training, aren't you? <laughs> Superb, yeah. I literally I've got about two minutes and I'm rolling into the training ground. There you go. Ideal. So that's that for pick of the week. And I hope you have a cracking session, Nath, and I'll catch you on the next episode, mate. Well, great to be back. Therefore me as well. Right, take it. And that is it from me, guys. Episode number 13, done and dusted. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it, which was a lot. (laughs) Thanks to Nathan for coming back on. Thoroughly enjoyed speaking to him about pick of the week, and we'll revisit that and see if our Champions League and Europa League predictions were correct. Uh, Next episode, we've got our guest host, Jack, who's got massive influence in the Fleetwood Town setup, coaching-wise. Really, really nice guy. Looking forward to getting him on the podcast. And going in the new direction for the podcast, we've got two episodes dropping before next Wednesday. So our usual is a Wednesday, so we're going to drop one tomorrow, Friday, then next Wednesday as well. Um, And then we're going to go, potentially go weekly, but I'll keep you posted on that. 
but definitely we're going to look to get more content out there for you guys because you deserve it so yeah that's it from me and as always take it easy <laughs>